0: Down and 20. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the 3rd and 20 Dynasty Podcast. I'm JT, and as always, joined by Lunas and Frank. We are without Jake today. He's hiding, running from the grind. Once again, um, once again all his bad takes can't get exposed. We got to wait another week. Um, we are a week and change, a couple days from our first actual regular season game. Uh, that's this, the following Thursday, you'll probably be listening to this, I don't know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So next week, um, next week is when we're going to have our big, you know, kind of primer episode where we make bold takes and whatnot. Definitely a, a must listen to episode. Uh, it'll be stuff that you could hold us to accountable, but you know, let's focus on now let's focus on the present. And we do have some bad news to start off with again. Another young running back goes down with an injury, and that's J.K. Dobbins tearing his ACL. I don't know if there's any other complications there looking into it, but J.K. Dobbins down. And I want to first start off by saying we're doing a, a 3rd and 20 Dynasty League. We're trying to set up a 3rd and 20 Dynasty League with viewers. Um we, we have a, a good chunk of people already. Uh, we just need a couple more people if you want to, you know, reach many out spots to... How
1: is it? Is it two or three more spots left? There's, like, two spots left. Two spots yeah. Left.
0: So, if you want to reach out to Lunas, Frank, myself, the 3rd and 20, Twitter, however, our YouTube comments, however you want to reach out to us, first come, first serve, we'll make the lead. And, you know, J.K. Dobbins is someone I was looking forward to trying to draft yeah. in the startup. <laughs> and, bam, ACL injury. Now, it is weird with startups how, like, You know, he's a running back that went down. If you're willing to do the productive struggle strategy, like you can snag him much later. Um, That's actually going to be interesting to see where
1: he goes now. uh
0: Uh-huh. He's someone I'm interested in. I saw it going around on Twitter. There's the debate of, you know, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Travis Etienne. Of those three running backs who were injured, three young running backs injuries, which one are you taking? And I think the easy answer is J.K. Dobbins, because we've seen it before. We've seen running backs come back from ACL injuries. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not going to compare him to the superhuman that is Adrian Peterson, but Adrian Peterson was able to come back from an ACL injury and put up like 2K yards. So it can be done. I'm very much least concerned about J.K. Dobbins. Obviously, it sucks this year. You're going to have to stash him on your IR. R. He's someone, though, that I just would not recommend selling. Are, are either of you guys saying a sell on J.K. Dobbins? No, I'm holding him. Frank? No, I'm holding Yeah, him. yeah. So, J.K. Dobbins is a firm hold. It, it just sucks. Like, maybe you're thinking about competing this year. I, If that's the case, I say you just kind of pack it in. Here's the problem, though. Week.
2: It's not about if you're going to sell. It's who's buying Dobbins right now. Yeah.
0: Well, there's always people, you know, rebuilding teams that are looking to score. Yeah, they're they're
2: willing to buy for a huge discount. If yeah, you're playing the yeah. value game, that you don't sell. Obviously, if you're looking to win a championship this year, maybe the next two years, um, and you say, Hey, I would rather just move on to a back that's playing, yeah, sure. Go ahead. I you can justify it, but I like you said, if if it's a value play, I'll keep Dobbins and risk the injury.
0: Now, that brings us to the Gus Edwards and what we're doing with Gus Edwards. Lunas, you have him in our home league. Yeah. Um, you know, you you had him on the block. You picked him up last year for like a third,
2: maybe I think two it was thirds. Two-thirds.
0: Yeah. So already immediately <laughs> going up in value. What's yeah. the minimum price that you would take for Gus Edwards?
1: Uh, okay. So, as someone, so my team that has Gus Edwards is contending this year. So the plan for me as a contender is a contender's probably to keep him. If I'm a rebuilding team, I'm a thousand percent selling Gus Edwards. To um, I'm seeing what a contender's willing to offer, because uh, I think I'm with JT. Where once J.K. Dobbins comes back next year, this isn't going to be an injury that like it's not like an Achilles or something. It, it, we've seen so many people come back from ACL tears and be better, if not just as good. Um, and so it's back to Dobbins' backfield next year. So if I'm a rebuilding team, I'm definitely testing the market for Gus Edwards. If you don't find anything you like now, wait maybe for week four or something. I'm trying to think right now what I would have him at as, from a contender's point of view. I think some somewhere in the second round, I'm just trying to figure out where in the second. Um, Frank, if you were trying to buy him right now, what what, what pick are you giving up at the highest?
2: A mid late second, so I'm thinking around, like if a contender esque second. Um, because yeah. I'm I mean, a I sold Gus Edwards to you for two thirds, B I have him in like two other leagues because I like Gus Edwards. <laughs> um, I mean, Gus Edwards is the type of dude that you always knew if, if he was ever in an RB1 spot, he could be productive. I think the thing is though, is that and what people are forgetting is if you're in a half-point-plus PPR league, it's not like he's going to be crazy, crazy good. I think he could definitely be good and have RB1 weeks, but um, of all these resurged running backs from backup role up into starting RB1 caliber spot, I think Gus Edwards is very safe. He's a great floor play, but I think that James Robinson and even Daryl Henderson, even though I don't think Daryl Henderson will be as good – the, both their ceilings are way higher than Gus Edwards, um, which is a little bit annoying to buy him at, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I like Gus Edwards. I, I have him in two other leagues, right? I still don't want to go out and buy him. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 like Because here's the problem I have. If I am legitimately thinking, well, who would I rather have long-term Gus Edwards or Gainwell, I might rather just have Gainwell for the upside, especially in even more so in a PPR league, a standard league, fine. But if I'm, if I'm PPR, yeah, Gus Edwards is going to be good for this year, but I don't think he's going to be as good as James Robinson this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and then, you know, the long term, okay. Once JK is back is Gus Edwards is going to be back to his glorified Latavius Murray role.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, that's the thing with Gus Edwards. I'll let you go. JT in a second, speak quick. Like, that's the thing where I agree on. It. He doesn't, He's a pretty good rusher in terms of just when they gave him carries, but he's never really showed, like, much receiving upside. So I agree with you at that point. He's definitely way better than standard. And, J2, what were you going to say?
0: And I, I know the team said, like, oh, we plan on rolling out with Gus Edwards as our main back. We're very confident in him. But it's always just coach speak. Like, I, I'm not convinced that they're not going to go out and just get another running back. There's still a couple guys on on the wire that at least if they got them, they'd hurt his value even to the point of, like, Right now, I was looking, Gus Edwards, about an early second on keep trade cut. Damn. Um, they, you bring in just even, like, the tight lakes of Duke Johnson Jr., and that already drops, you know, significantly, just because I think the public's kind of overreacting to what's going on. So, it for me, it, it's need, a tough though, buy.
2: Because if you need a high-floor running back, a dude that's just going to get the football – Go ahead and buy Gus Edwards for a one-year rental, especially because you're probably going to have a contender second. You add a third-round pick on. I don't love it, but go ahead. If you desperately need a running back, right, maybe your ETN just got hurt or something. I don't know. Uh, I I guess it's all right. Um,
0: (sighs) I don't love it, though. that's,
2: That's the problem with Gus Edwards is that any move that you do for him right now, I don't love. It's safe. It's all right. He could be he could be really good, but it, it seems like whenever there's a rushing quarterback involved, not named Lamar Jackson, it's like a huge detriment to a running back, but for some reason that's a huge positive for Gus Edwards of all running backs. If if Lamar Jackson was going to cannibalize anyone with his rushing out, but it is Gus Edwards, yeah, right?
0: Yeah. So I mean, I think to sum up the segment, it feels like JK Domins is a firm hold. Yeah, um, you know, maybe buy if you can get a discount, but like, who's actually giving you a discount? Probably no one. And Gus Edwards is more of a a hold to a sell. Sell if you can. I uh, my my,
1: my stance my stance was if you're a contender this year, hold. If you're rebuilding, definitely look to sell. If not now, at some point in the season, maybe wait Dude, like I three am four taking weeks. an early second for him. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. If I'm I can get an early, early second. second, yeah. You know, if you get an early second right now, take that. I'm <laughs> more just meant oh. like if you're not getting like that second round pick you're looking for.
0: Um, All right, so moving on, uh, we do have some other drama. It's been always, you know, the Dolphins keep getting into rumors of they want Deshaun Watson. It was hinted here and there. They're in talks to get Deshaun Watson. Uh, A new report came out today. The Dolphins owner really wants Deshaun Watson. Yes, Frank. Do you want to know
2: what this feels like? What? This is like the the guy and the girl in high school that were too nervous to like, to like not both of them were too that. nervous to actually make the move, but both all their friends were like, oh, he likes, you know, like all that crap. That's, that's what this feels like. It's like, dude, yeah. can someone just, just say, okay, fine. Or, or just flat out. No, can this
0: whole thing just end already? I mean, they're cutting it to the wire. Like, are you going to trade for him mid season? I think, I think, Uh, From the reports I've seen, they said
1: a team. They didn't specify which team. And the reports I've seen from the Texans side, it looks like the Dolphins made an offer, but it's the Texans that are holding off on trading him because they think, I'm guessing, once the legal thing gets figured out, maybe they can get more. I don't know. Um, I know the report also came out that Watson, at least for right now, maybe it changes in the future, uh, wouldn't waive his no-trade clause for Philadelphia. So I mentioned to Frank, I was like, "Who's Miami really competing against? Uh, I guess there's like Denver, uh, Carolina, but Miami's obviously the front runners here. Um, so it's kind of a weird situation for Watson and Tua owners. I don't, I don't, I don't know the, either of them currently, but I kind of feel weird
2: about either. Well, the, the part of the what might be holding up the deal isn't. Because we don't know all the details. I know yeah. that the Eagles are definitely a team that would be interested in more interested in trading for him next year if possible, yeah. when they actually have cap room and whatnot, so they could get Watson and then spend a ton on free agency. Because Watson's contract, if you trade for him, actually really isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um so like not only is are you competing against teams probably right now that we don't know about. I imagine there are teams that have called. You have the legal issues, and from the Texans' side, okay, well, next year when teams have more cap space from co- from no COVID stuff and and um, hopefully, assuming the legal situation is resolved, like you could cash in and have more buyers.
0: Yeah, that, right.
1: that definitely could be as simple as that, where the Texans think. If we wait till next offseason, we can get a better return. Because either way, he's not playing for us this year. Because they came out and announced, or the report got uh, uh, public, that they plan on keeping him on the roster but having him inactive every week. So if you're the Texans, he's not going to play for you for this season either Dude, way. I just
2: hate this all, man. Can, like, yeah. There's, there's a limit to the amount of time that something can go on for me to be interested in it. And at this point, I'm just done. Either trade him or don't suspend him or don't. Just someone yeah. make a decision at some point because this is just driving me crazy.
0: I I don't know about you guys, but I'm sticking with my stance that he's just not playing this year. Whether it's the commissioner's list, whether it's him him sitting out, I just I don't see Deshaun Watson on on a football field this year. I just don't think the trade's going to happen until next off season.
2: You want um, to know you want to know what can solve this. I know exactly what can solve this issue. Yes, Frank. Um, also, I worry. think I think I'm gonna write up a a streak here with the amount of Harry Potter references I'm going um, for. Yeah. We need the Sorting Hat.
1: Harry Where are you guys, at?
2: Guys? <laughs> either the hat. Sort him. Where is Deshaun Watson going? <laughs> All right, let's move on. I hate Deshaun Watson. We
0: going to tell him Houston, Miami, or jail. <laughs> <laughs> That is the Deshaun Watson serving that's, at. That, that's the story. Very interesting. <laughs> Prison! <Yeah. laughs> Alright. Um, next segment, this one kind of pains me, but not really, because i got to go defend my guy again, once again. Yes. Jamar Chase has had, I think it was five targets in the preseason. and He's not four of them. <laughs> yeah. He's got one catch. And... I have said it so long now that it's like a broken record. I, drops just don't matter. I said it about Diami Brown. I said it defending Deontay Johnson. Drops don't matter. You're not fading someone because they drop the ball. Because all of a sudden, guess what? They don't drop the ball. Like, like it's just something that clicks. You know, there, there are other reasons to not pick someone. Um, so these drops do not worry me in the slightest. I am still not worrying about Jamar Chase uh i it's like me last year where i had to go and say i'm not panicking about jonathan taylor this is now me with jamar chase yes <laughs> we have frank with his shade glasses on so we'll let frank rebut me or whatever here
2: 110 don't forget
0: Does oh that's where yeah. you had him?
1: he did have him at 110 Frank did have. Chase. Frank literally
0: was talking to me today about he's not going to go victory lap in preseason. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this I, guy.
2: you're right though. You're right. Like if you believed in Jamar Chase. There's no. There's no reason to panic yeah. before he's played a game. Like I, I don't believe in that. I, I don't care about preseason. This is all bait. Half the time, yeah. the player, people are completely giving up on these players that got cut. Like, dude, if. Do you not see the amount of day picks that switch – day three picks that switch teams to actually break out? And it will happen like three seasons down the line if they ever do.
0: Yeah. Like I'm
2: pretty sure day three picks have a higher chance of breaking out in year five than they do year one.
0: Very rarely rarely do day three picks break out in their rookie season. Almost never. Because most Um, of the time
2: they're always just
1: on special teams.
0: All right, let's an let's an start actor. move yeah. on
2: to let's let's go into the cuts. All right, we're
0: rolling. We're rolling. Snip, snip. Well, yeah, all right. We'll we'll just roll into the cuts because who cares about Chris Hearn getting traded <laughs> to the Vikings? Who, who
2: cares about the fact that Jamar Chase sucks at catching the ball?
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he does not suck either. He's very good. Yeah, you shouldn't <laughs> worry
0: about the
1: Only worry about the, he can't separate. It's uh, that <laughs>
2: it's that Bengals atmosphere.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> That, that bangle, he's got to get the bangle stink away from him. Coaches are um, calling
2: up the wrong play. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. We're looking at roster cuts, and, I mean, I think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't kick it off with uh, the big one. Cam Newton getting cut from the Patriots. Mac yeah. Jones officially named the starter. I don't think many people really predicted Mac Jones to be the day one starter. Uh, he definitely was a betting underdog as far as Vegas odds are considered, uh, you know, most teams will go with the philosophy of you play that veteran first and then you let the rookie come in. We're going to see it with a lot of the other teams, most likely with, you know, the Bears and the 49ers this year probably. We've seen it before in recent years, um, especially because he was the fifth quarterback drafted. But Mac Jones started in week one, right into the fire against the Dolphins, divisional game, a uh, big game for the Patriots if they want to see themselves in, in the playoffs. I know I'm calling this like a must-win game and it's friggin' week one, but football's back. Just injected into our veins. Our week
1: one game is going to be really interesting. Yeah. I want to see how Mac
0: Jones and would do against those defensively well, other teams. I know Frank said he wasn't going to victory lap uh, preseason stuff, but you got your guy. He's starting week one, Frank. You're the one who's been town Mac Jones forever. He's starting week one. How are you feeling?
2: Well, I wasn't right necessarily because i i did think that cam newton was going to be the day one starter i I mean i thought that mac jones was going to play earlier than people anticipated but not this early um man it's just crazy but i think what people aren't are kind of underestimating is that dude mac mac jones a played insane but b cam newton sucked still (laughs) i hate to put it like that but you saw the Cam Newton of the second half of last year when he threw for 82 yards in training camp, right? Yeah. And I don't think Cam Newton is bad. It's just he's inconsistent. And to be a quarterback of the league nowadays, you just can't be inconsistent. And then obviously Mac Jones, he's a polarizing figure. He was going to go in and play early uh, and play well, like just learn the system, get everything down. I'm excited, dude. I, I think that, Mac Jones, it's gonna be fun to watch the Patriots now. and last but not least, this really helps Jacoby Myers for me because um if you remember way back when we actually got some shade on the uh, on the Jacoby Myers yeah. takes, man because I was saying back then be, that, that uh, Jacoby Myers and Debo Samuel are the two year three receivers that really fit the profile of a third year breakout receiver, right? And Jacoby Myers, the other interesting thing was the the literal thing holding him back was the offense just sucking. Because we can all Mm -hmm. agree that Jacoby Myers is not Randy Moss. He's not a Hall of Fame level talent. But he's good enough to be relevant in fantasy. So if you adjusted the Patriots' offensive numbers literally to just league average – he he's has the same stats as CD Lamb. I think he has a better year than CD Lamb actually. Um with yeah. his target share just putting the the Patriots to an average offense. And he that's still including zero touchdowns I'm pretty sure. Um yeah, regardless he's he's around the same year as CD Lamb. Like now with Mac Jones I I don't think that the Patriots offense is going to be great, but it could definitely be around average which is exactly what you need for Myers. Myers perfectly fits what, what you would want at a receiver with uh, with Mac Jones. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I like Jacoby Myers too. I We looked into the stats of Cam last year. It was, even if you combined his rushing and passing uh, yards per game together, or just yards on, on the season together, it was still lower than Daniel Jones, who was like the 20th quarterback in the league. And like every other quarterback below him just like missed more than two or three mm-hmm. games. So... Obviously, the offense was not going to be as fancy relevant with Cam Newton. But, you know, like Frank was saying with Lamar Jackson and and stuff, this should really help Damian Harris. Because now you don't have that running quarterback behind there. Mm -hmm. Mac Jones is very much the opposite. You're going to see Mac Jones maybe run once a game. (laughs) Maybe. But more, more, more games than not, he probably will not be running. So the carries are all coming from the backfield.
1: Uh, I think it also opens up the box. Teams uh, bloated the box against New England constantly when Cam was that quarterback. So
2: here's what's going to be interesting to see, right? <laughs> Is, A, if they keep a lot of the RPO heavy plays that Alabama ran last year with Sark, if they keep any of that RPO stuff around for Mac Jones, because he was really good at that, like money, bread and butter. And they have guys like Jonu Smith who would be really interesting matchup hazards, him, and then Myers, a guy that's decent with the ball in the stands, Aguilar too. Um, interesting stuff. Oh, no, no, no. And also, like, JT, you're right with Damian Harris is huge because they're still going to be a run-first football team. And now yeah. it's this offense is going to be let's pound the rock with Damian Harris. And you might even see multiple running backs be somewhat relevant on the Patriots. Instead of them all sucking – you can have, like, two all-right ones now.
0: Well, all, all, all they need is a Damian Harris fumble, and then he just disappears off the face of the earth, and we're all like, uh, "What? why'd we invest in Damian Harris? <laughs> Why, why'd we go out and buy Damian Harris? Because now Ramondre Stevenson's getting 10 touchdowns. What touch is, what is Ramondre game.
2: Stevenson's value, speaking of? Because Ramondre Stevenson's been getting a ton of hype, and, I mean, I like him. I He I, was one of my... I, I...
1: Where, where was he? Where did he go in our rookie draft?
0: Fourth round, probably. probably He's a typical fourth round guy. I'd probably have
1: him, like, kind of early-ish third, mid-early third.
2: Because he's getting so much hype on Twitter. I I was like, okay, but who's getting more than a third for him? Kind of like what you're saying. He's, according
0: to keep trade cut, he's worth a late second. Um, I don't know who's actually cutting up that price. Uh, I guess I could see, like, maybe you're the etnr. you're competing – you're throwing out that late second. I want something on top, guy.
2: second back probably right now. I mean, yeah,
0: you you probably would. I I wouldn't pay that. I mean, we've seen. I like Ramondre Stevenson too, but mm. the the rushing leaders from preseason often mean nothing, nothing. <laughs> to the actual yeah. NFL season. So while I like Ramondre Stevenson, a late seconds a little. You know, I'd rather go and put that late second yeah. somewhere else. And it also has to do with
1: the fact I just I really like Damian Harris. Like it but doesn't still James like White Stevenson. there too, dude. James, James White gonna yeah. get all the receiving work. Um, I, I just like Damian Harris's rusher. I think Stevenson's gonna get a decent amount of touches, but like I, I don't think the guy in front of him is like like worse than him or something. All
0: right, so I mean that was definitely the biggest cut, right? Mac um, Jones
2: stonks way up.
0: Yeah, well, 106, okay. but okay. Actually, that's where I was going with that. Um, real quick, I was going on to keep trade cut, uh, you know, right before a podcast, just to check something out. I was asked why I'd rather keep trade cut. Mac Jones. Do you guys want to take a guess at who the other two players I was asked about? Kyler Murray, 2022
2: early first.
0: No, but George Kittle (laughs) and DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) George Kittle and DeAndre Hopkins and Mac Jones is in the same conversation already? Like, let's see. From, from today to yesterday, are we really moving Mac Jones that yeah, high up? Yeah. That's crazy. Especially Kittle. I don't know yeah. what Kittle, K- Kittle's, doing Kittle
2: Yeah, is... I have Mac Jones a little bit down from D-Hop, definitely. Yeah.
0: Out. Yeah. That, there's... Well, we'll get into the whole rankings and trade calculator. Almost mode, 20 but... spots. I,
1: I, guess, I guess the thinking of it is like, oh, this guy can be your QB2 for like
0: the next, what, 12, 14 years. Like, yeah, but... but these guys are like george kittle's tight end production is oh it's amazing. very few oh, yeah, other you're not players taking, to do that.
2: if you're do yeah. not take mac jones over george kittle that i think that's yeah. just a losing play
0: i mean it's definitely just a heat check on mac jones but crazy all right so um probably the next biggest player to get cut was john brown from the raiders smoke um I I don't know. Like, w- was he really affecting that much? I guess some people saw him Jake, above. that that's why Jake Ryan He He's afraid. Of John like Brown,
1: nine hundred
2: yards. Oh, he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and we were what like, I was what?
1: saying. Me and you were like, He's running. No. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, he is running from the grind. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jake, it's all right, man. Someone's got to get their takes wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just won't
0: be us three. <laughs> little Jimmy little Jimmy is just on life he support based John on count. Jake's. Yeah, <laughs> little Jimmy is on life support based on Jake's fantasy <laughs> advice. Um, it doesn't really affect much for me. I already thought. Uh, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards be the two uh, receivers, and then Hunter Renfro a little bit mixed in. But obviously, the, the, this team is a team that runs through Darren Waller. Like Darren Waller is their receiving option. So, doesn't really not change. At all.
2: Everything has to be. Oh, John Brown player X gets cut. That means player Y is going to be insane. I mean, this could just be yeah. that John Brown is washed. That's it. I I think
0: that's what we're pointing to. Like. <laughs>
2: This doesn't – I don't think this is necessarily a huge plus for Brian Edwards simply because, dude, show me a Gruden offense, a recent Gruden offense, especially where we're getting, like, multiple receivers relevant. It's going to be, like, two guys at most. They're not going to have a ton of receivers relevant. I mean, it could be Brian Edwards. It could be Ruggs. Fuck it. Maybe it's Renfro. Yeah, if not we Red probably know I'm if it's going to be Red Waller. Red. Maybe Foster Moreau if Waller dies nope. or something. Who knows? Um, nope. But hey, I got to see it. Too. Like, I'm not bumping Brian Edwards' value up from this. I think that's a little No, I, I don't think
0: anyone was – like. I don't think anyone's value
1: goes up. I think it's more just John Brown, whatever value he well, did have.
0: He'd be an, like, on, on <laughs> be an interesting fit on the Lions. You get that veteran guy in there. He'd be
2: an interesting fit on the Lions – Anyone that runs under a four-six with eyes, like go ahead. We have a spot for you in our receiving court.
0: All right. Um yeah. There were some lines like Brashard Perryman got cut, but I don't think anyone really cared about him. We do have some rookies that got cut. Um, so it's all time for me to to face the music. My guy, Seth Williams, getting cut from the, the Broncos, but yeah. Like we were he saying earlier, even
1: good enough for their kickoff unit. How does you that make lose, you feel?
0: Loose. I'm going to say some very <laughs> new things to you, <laughs> I'm, I'm refraining right now, Lunas. <laughs> but so, I, I feel like like this doesn't change my opinion on Seth Williams at all. Like I was not worried about him succeeding this year. Like Frank was saying earlier, day three guys. Oh my f-
1: god, I have to update my header. I have to make it now the tweet that Seth Williams got cut.
0: <laughs> i hate you <laughs> so, um i don't know he's someone i'm still stashing on my taxi i'm not moving seth williams we're holding him. we're holding them through through next year probably we're just going to die with seth williams on my roster um probably this is something very insignificant to everyone else that's listening yeah. but yeah um a couple other rookies that did get cut though that were i guess probably a little more surprising Coronel Powell, who we all kind of just hated, but he was like that Chiefs wide receiver. So, you know, obviously he's going to get a little bit of a bump from that. He got cut. Not that surprising to us. Um, Des Fitzpatrick, who Lunes and Frank actually liked. Yeah. Um, yeah, Des
2: Fitzpatrick, so that, that's surprising because I liked him. He's like the one dude that I feel like that I really liked that got cut. Yeah, especially like it,
1: w- it wasn't only that he was a fourth round pick. They traded up in the fourth round. Yo, for get.
2: those watching on the tube or the stream, live look at Cornell Powell this offseason, baby. <laughs> Call to here first. Oh, buy him. He's on the Chiefs. He's a bait. Huge bait.
1: <laughs> Classic bait once again. But, yeah, does Kirk am I'm, I'm sorry. I expect him to get picked up by someone. Um, I'm <laughs> guessing. The fact that they had to trade up in the fourth round to get him means other teams valued him then. Um, I'm not sure what happened in Tennessee with him, but I, I think he'll get picked up somewhere. If I owned him, I'd just still keep him on the taxi. Don't cut him yet.
2: I don't know. The, the, the Titans seem to really like to draft players with that just do crazy crap. Maybe there's oh, something yeah, behind the Oh, yeah, didn't happen like, on. their
1: first-round pick? Yeah, oh, was their, that, that tackle out of UGA, Yeah,
2: crazy. Um, Like, arguably the fastest bust, at, bust ever. Yeah, that was in the dude year. was like it a, was a consensus year. bust before August. It's like, how does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Like, literally within the month he's drafted, yeah, and not like injury related or anything unfortunate, just the guy's a nut job. Um, I that's crazy. Like, you spend a fourth round pick and he gets and he gets cut. Um, I I don't know, I'm not as confident you Lunis in, in someone like Fitzpatrick. Because I liked Fitzpatrick, but it's not like he was getting a, a ton of draft love. There was a lot of well-respected scouts saying that he was more of like a seventh-round undrafted talent. Guys that have a much higher hit rate than me. Um, well,
0: it, his receiving room also isn't that great. Like, uh, like obviously there's Julio and AJ Brown, and to some after, extent, Josh Reynolds, I guess. But
1: up for anyone, yeah.
0: Head. So. It wasn't like he had to really be out a lot of competition. I I just feel like he's definitely just a practice squad guy for.
2: Yeah, that's probably this what they're looking to do is if if they just unless they just don't want him right. There you never know with some of these cuts if if it's Culture not fit. necessarily talent. Yeah, it's just oh like this guy's a fit. Oh right now our safeties are injured, so we just need an extra safety, right? People forget that to take some of that stuff into account, which is why it's not the end of the road for these cut players. Uh, it just isn't a great sign, necessarily. Um, last player to get cut. Everyone's the next James Robinson is not the next James Robinson, unsurprisingly. <laughs> and all the UDFA running backs basically got cut. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh my, my sweet prince, Jared Dokes. My guy, Javian Hawkins. Managed to get twi- cut twice this offseason, so that was fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> Caleb Huntley, also from the Falcons.
2: Yeah, I didn't love the un- the only guys I like. Uh, I picked up Caleb Huntley in a couple of leagues just for free as a liquid roster spot, right? Um, but no surprises necessarily that oh, not every year there's going to be a random undrafted breakout running back for a thousand years. At least not right now. Not looking like it.
0: No, even um, – what's his name? Xavier Jones got cut too. The guy that, like, just shot up in rankings when uh, Cam Akers went down. How about this?
2: I'll, I'll rephrase it. It's not that there can't be a James Robinson this year because obviously the season hasn't happened. We were unable to predict it. and No one <laughs> – <No. laughs> all yeah. the running backs that people were like, oh, this guy possibly has a
0: chance. <laughs> Out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, all right, exactly. is that – that it for cuts i, I uh, guess uh
1: tamari on terry got cut that was a while ago oh okay
0: dude. yeah I I think
2: did, is... dude had a murder charge yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, real bro. quick ignoring
1: tamari <laughs> terry, i feel like this year they were kind of more cut like draft picks than usual
0: years or am i bugging
2: because covid bro yeah they got uh, team. That, couldn't like, bring in people it
0: was it yeah. was just sure. really hard sure yeah um all right uh I don't know. I guess the the only other thing that I'll add to this segment is there are going to be cut players that end up on different teams. I'm not going to buy into that news of, you know, whoever ends up wherever. Like, there's going to be someone that ends up as the third running back on the Falcons that people are going to hype up. There's going or to be someone Chiefs that...
2: practice squad. Receiver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep.
0: There's going to be someone that ends up being a backup quarterback somewhere and you're like, oh, this is, a, you know, his opportunity. More times than not, more often than not, he's not going to be. Like, these are guys that I'm all fading. I'm not buying into any of this. I'm just now focused on the regular season and who's on my team. So now moving on, though, speaking of regular season, who's on my team, let's talk about the value of draft picks. We talked about the value of every positional group, but now let's break down the value of draft picks, uh, when they're worth the most, when they're worth the least. Um, I think – you kind of get the, you know, it it makes common sense to most people, but to just hear it again and drill into your brain and then like to tell you kind of a strategy of like how we like to navigate picks, I think it can be really helpful. So I think this will be a good informative, you know, thought provoking segment, but obviously the farther away you are from the draft, the, the less the draft picks worth, right. That's just a very basic concept that a 2024 first, is worth less than a 2022 first. Um, even regardless of class, like, oh, there are gonna be people on the Dynasty Reddit or Twitter saying like, go out and get your 2023 first. It doesn't matter, we're, we're talking from like a business concept, the, the time value uh, of money, the time value of these assets, a pick today is worth more than a pick three years from now because that's a player on your roster that can then grow value. So very basic concept there, right? The time that they're worth the most can be debatable. When would you guys say a draft pick is worth the most?
1: Leading up to, um, or actually, I might say, like, right after the NFL draft, um, just because I think rookie fever is definitely a thing when people start, like, envisioning, like, oh, I can get this hyped-up player at this pick. Like, so say if you traded, uh, if you were trading for a draft pick, in week 11 of the fantasy season versus, like, three weeks after the draft, even though it's for that same year, I think it's pretty different prices at those two standpoints. I'm not saying it should be. I'm saying that's just the reality with a lot of owners.
2: I I think that that the value is most um, right about now-ish, like a week or two before the season starts when you get that prime training camp preseason hype. Problem is, is that I've just seen – it. you can trade for draft picks around draft time. Like, they're expensive, don't get me wrong, but I'll tell you this much. Trading up for 107 is a whole lot easier in April than it is when Zach Wilson's sitting on the board in in, in June or, or July or August. Um, yes, that price keeps sure. going up, and it's even more now. If you're trying to trade for Zach Wilson now, dude, you're paying even more than you probably would have in your rookie draft, unless you have someone like me who hasn't valued at 102.
0: Um, so – so, to clarify what you're saying, Frank, right, uh, a 2021 first is worth more when it's actually the player that you selected and it's about to be the regular season. So, yeah. like, a 2021-107 is worth less than a Zach Wilson one week before the season. Yeah, unless something
2: catastrophic yeah. happens, right? And, and I think you can play a risky game if you're trying to stonk your picks if you reach on players, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't... I think, especially for first-round picks, if you're not um, gung-ho like we are and are scouting all the players and doing all this crazy stuff, just for the first 15 picks, just picking consensus and then selling right before the season when that consensus player gets hyped, dude, that is a very viable strategy to just keep your team competitive. And and obviously, you miss out on the, on the super upside if that guy completely pans out, but Dude, I've been able to consistently get overpays every offseason across multiple leagues around this exact time, right? Probably a week ago was the best time to do it, but you can still do it now where you can completely risk-free, get rid of a, a, a late first, mid first round rookie pick or an early second, get great value, instant stomp but I actually kind of wanted to talk about what the value of draft picks were in general, not just when they're most valuable. Because we all agree, you know, you got to let them marinate. You got to let them mature, whether it's in April, whether it's during your rookie draft, whether it's right after, around that general time period when you can put a name, a face to the pick is when they're the most valuable. But how do we handle this compared to some of these players, right? Like, okay, well – I know that my 105 is valuable, but is it more or less valuable than Clyde Edwards Elair? Whoa, he was 102 last year. Like, because especially because I don't know about you, I'm not sure if you included picks in your rankings, JT, but we're making out our overall dynasty rankings and I'm including, okay, where would I have a random 101, 102, 103? So I, I guess we could start this off random year 102 or Clyde Edwards Elair?
0: 102.
1: 102.
2: I think it's one or two by a landslide. I actually think that picks in general are pretty underrated um, across the board. Um, I think the most overvalued ones are the late first round picks. And this is kind of where you get boned by just going like, oh, I'll trade this guy for a first. Because if you do that and that pick is 111, 112, those are easily the most bait value picks that you can pick up. But other than that, like, I think that every single pick is usually worth, if not better, than what you pay for it. Outside of clear overpays at the time.
1: I do agree with you about those late firsts kind of being overrated. Because there's always a tear break between, like, those true first prospects to kind of end the first round. And especially how much more expensive it is paying for a late first just because it's a late first. Compared to like if you trade it for 202 or something, it's even a though cool it's only
2: buy. the hit rate is essentially a second round pick,
1: that's what I'm saying. yeah, and you, oh. and it's way cheaper to get like an early second versus a 111, 112 when a lot of times it's going to be the similar tier of players.
0: Uh, I'll agree to that to a point. I think if, if you're strictly going off consensus, right, and you're not listening to us or other people who, not to really count ourselves that high, but, like, other people who have really, you know, scouted and did the work and you're just doing consensus, I see where the, the late first can be a big because more often than not, consensus is wrong uh, on these late first guys. But I think if you're doing your time and you're, you're scouting these prospects, that's how you avoid picking the likes of – uh, Henry Rugg, sorry, Lewis, <laughs> and gang the, the Justin Jeffersons of the world. And that's how you... I mean, it, it's too early to tell, but Travis Etienne was a, a prospect that was fading, Devontae Smith's prospect that was fading. Like, you, you avoid those kind of players and you go after someone like Frank Likes, uh, Mac Jones, and you get that guy instead. Like, obviously, it's not foolproof method, but, like, I still think there's a lot of value in those late firsts. There's a, each class almost always has good prospects in the in the late first early second but it's your job to go and find those good prospects like yeah, they're I, not going to fall to you
2: GT. i think that there is value in the late first but i just think that compared to the value that you can get for almost any other pick in the draft maybe not 101 when when it's prime 101 cuz you really have to pay up for it but Every other pick I think is, is great value, especially the second rounders where they're not as sexy. But so I, I'm getting into my rankings, right? And I'm just looking at it how there are some tough decisions to make and and this kind of puts it into perspective, right? Like what, what first round pick is Keenan Allen worth? Because realistically, you can argue, oh, he's probably worth a 106 or a 107. But in a super flex league, you know, you, you get all these picks, and once you get the prime draft time. Dude, you're not trading Keenan Allen for probably a top nine or ten pick in this year's draft, maybe mm-hmm. even more, right? Mm-hmm. And is is that wrong? Are the draft picks too valuable there, or do you like saying, "Hey, I'd rather not have Keenan Allen. I'll take the upside."
0: Well, Keenan Allen's an interesting one because. Um, I don't know where you stand on Keen Allen, Lewis, but I feel like Very Frank high. and I are higher on. Okay, so I think we're all higher on Keenan Allen than consensus, right? Like, yeah. I think this guy is just not like the, the most guaranteed to be a wide receiver one, but I feel pretty confident about
1: Keenan Allen. He's being one a of the y guys we're assuming he's healthy for most of the year. I'm most confident in being a wide receiver one, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so my thing is. Where? when am I paying for Keenan? Allen? Like, what what pick am I paying for Keenan Allen? And um,
2: a random one hundred six.
0: It gets tough. I I, oh, I like the I like Keenan. If, if you could just budge a little bit with me here, Frank, and give me like a one hundred seven, I'm I'm
2: I'll pay the one hundred
0: seven and and take Keenan out. I don't know. One hundred six is kind of my uh, my That's line break.
1: I'm close to J. I'm between 107, 108. I definitely think it's more than the 110 range, but that's tough because 106, 106, you can still get like one of those young QBs. And then it's like the question of how how do guys like feels in Mac Jones right now value as compared to Keenan
0: Allen? Well, even then, you could probably get the top or second top wide receiver in that class too.
1: Yeah. If, if you're going down. wide
0: receiver, you could, yeah, you could get the, if you're in a super flex league, there's always likely to be two or three quarterbacks that are going that high. There's probably two running backs that go that high. Um, there probably won't be another Kyle Pitts for a while, and not at least the next year. So you're probably looking at maybe one wide receiver is gone before you're picking, maybe two if they're like some elite prospects, but like I don't really know. I think 2023 is more when we get the elite. Prospect kind of wide receivers potentially. So it is key now versus top wide receiver of this rookie class. And it's who you take it.
2: Well, here's the other factor. And this might swing it in the fact, in, in towards the draft picks, right? Is that for a draft pick to maintain or increase in value when it's not a player, well, they basically automatically Mm -hmm. increase in value. So it's an extremely safe investment. And like I said, the only way that you get boned really is if the guy that you trade becomes insane and then you're stuck with a late first round pick. But it's still not the end of the world, right? Like we've had a lot of trades in our league, for example, where one of our league mates traded Keenan Allen for for, for a single first. And that first ended up being 111. But then all of a sudden the draft, he comes out takes DeAndre Swift and then trades DeAndre Swift for two firsts. And then all of a sudden you're you're back or you could just keep DeAndre Swift, right? Like even when you lose a trade, you don't lose, lose the trade. You can still recuperate if you get the pick. It's just so safe. And then the other thing is that when you take these players, I've noticed when when you pick a rookie, they need like four good games. You give me four good games and you can increase in value.
1: No, it's literally just pretty much just don't completely shit the bed.
2: Yeah, don't completely look like ass and give me four games where you just pop and then bang. You're, you increase a first-round pick worth of value. For Keenan Allen to be worth the same, dude needs to be a wide receiver one, basically. Right? Or true. a high-end wide receiver two.
1: That's very yeah. true. I mean, look well, at that. I mean, um, this won't help you win. Like, look, look I'd at, rather have the
2: fantasy points if I'm a competitor, but...
1: Yeah, like even just look at um, Aker's pre-injury, he was not getting any playing time for the majority of the season until like the last maybe third of the year, last fourth of the year, he became a starter. Had what five or six good games, and his value like like quintupled, like it it skyrocketed. Yeah. It became oh. like uh, even it like was how... deserving because I thought he was talented. But I'm just saying, like if you just have those stretch of games, it doesn't need to be a good
0: entire rookie year. Even a, a example not bag, but like a similar example would be the likes of AJ Dillon, where it's like yeah. he literally didn't play. He played one game against the Titans, ran all over the Titans in a snow game against bad defense, and he's a top twenty-eight running back, and he's just a backup. Like he is not the starting running back. He's not going to be for the next year, probably two years at least. And he's a top twenty-eight running back, and he's done. He's had one game, one game, so.
2: Here's the other thing I want to touch on with the the value of of draft picks. I actually forgot about this. Um, Because you mentioned it earlier, JT, and that's how people discount draft picks from future years because the time value of draft picks based off of in finance or business, the time value of money, right? Money now is worth more because you can use that to make more money before the money in the future, right? That's the whole theory behind it. Mm Mm-hmm. I actually don't think that applies as much to draft picks really only if you don't know if your league is going to go on in the future. Like if you're in a league with a bunch of random people and you're kind of just taking it but a year or two at a time and you don't know five years down the road, if this is going to be a league or not. Okay. Yeah. Then my discount rate on, on later end draft picks, super high. Like, yeah, I don't give a crap about a 2027 first. I'm probably not gonna be in here, or I have no idea if I'm gonna be in here, right? If you're in a league, at least like and this is probably with most home leagues, like our league, dude. I know this thing's gonna be going on basically as long as fantasy football goes on. Yeah, right. And we and and we're all alive, right? Like we're we're gonna be playing and we're gonna be out here. I will take your discount on future picks, gladly, dude. And especially for like second round picks, right? I can pick up so many seconds and thirds for cheap uh, on good players. If there's a guy that just doesn't care about his future picks. And especially in new dynasty leagues, there's always one dude who's like, oh, this guy's worth a second. Yeah, I'll give you a second and a third, and, but a third in 2024. You know, it's <laughs> like, fine, man, add them all up. Give it to me. Give it to me because those picks add up and become pretty valuable, much more valuable than you think at the time. And that's one of the other reasons why I think the draft picks are super overrated or super underrated, is because everyone puts too much of a discount on them. They're still very liquid. Even when they're a year out, I could trade a 2023 20, second pretty easily. And it to me, it's an asset that's almost guaranteed to increase in value unless the dudes' team is a champ in the championship through really the only scenario. And even then we're, you're still not screwed.
1: Yeah. Um, and kind of going to the point you started with a lot of the draft advice we're giving with like future years, picks, everything. This is assuming your league um, is going <laughs> on. If, if you don't think if you're in a league with a bunch of randoms, like 80% of it's inactive and you don't think it's going to last more than two years or whatever, you kind of move different. Um, like, did this has to be all leagues where, like, you, you honestly think it's going to keep going, and it's, like, the commissioner, if someone's trading, like, a future pick, they have to pay for that year or so, whatever the method may be. Um I'm, Yeah, go ahead, JT.
0: Not to get on, like, a side tangent too far, but, like, I think really where most of your, you know, trust on how far a league should be is, like, you really got to know your league bylaws and who your commissioner is, because, like, we're in an orphan league, Frank and I. Like, we just started a, a league, um earlier this off season. And you know, they do have those strong rules where it's like, if you're trading picks, um, you know, two years from now, like you're paying your buy-in for two years from now. So that really ties people to the team or you, you know, someone's going to quit that team. Another person can step in for free. So, you know, again, not everything's, you know, these are people you're playing with online. These are random people that you likely don't know in, in person. So... You still have to be wary about, you know, trading for 2024 first or whatnot. But leagues where I feel better about the commissioners than, uh, than others, like I'm yeah. feeling better about the draft picks. Um, all right, Frank, what else do we want to talk about with the draft picks?
2: I mean, this kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of what we're saying, but I know the productive struggle is becoming a much more popular strategy. Um, I know DF Bean Counter, follow him on Twitter. We love you, Bean Counter. <laughs> um, I know he's a big fan of the productive struggle, and I mean I agree with him. Like if I'm in a high stakes league that I'm looking, and I know that this league is is with some professional people, right, and is going to be going on for a good five years, why not go for a strategy that's pretty damn safe? And like when push comes to shove, you don't have to take a player. Most of, like ninety percent of the time. You can trade the draft pick before or during the draft, right, if you're really shopping it around. And then even if you don't, like, you can trade the guy if in rookie camp if he's getting any sort of hype. You saw it this year. Basically, every rookie in existence got some sort of rookie hype. <laughs> not except for Harris Kandaris Tony. That's the only one.
0: <laughs> but we could have told you about Carderis Tony. Um, <laughs> like, not not period. Sorry, Lewis. I have so to throw Thomas. that in put, there. And put, Put Lewis on mute right? Actually,
2: now. no, Kyle Trash did get hype in OTAs. So that's kind of good got. camp.
0: Um, just to put it in perspective, right? Think about the likes of Najee Harris, right? Najee Harris in a super flex league was I don't know, 104. What would you guys say? What was Najee Harris? Somewhere
2: between 103 to 105, 106 for most of the process. Yeah. He, he slowly climbed, but the running backs always do as we get closer to the, the season. one always does. Especially okay. with the redraft crew kicking in and then the running back hype gets crazy.
0: Okay. So with the likes of Najee Harris, let's say you're drafting, I don't know, a month and a half after the draft, right? You're in June. You're in June and you draft Najee Harris. The Najee Harris that you drafted in June – is now worth an extra second-round pick on top to get Najee Harris today. That, exactly, that's, dude. And it's an early second-round pick, too. It's like pick 203. That's about how much he's gained in value, is he's gained an early second-round value. And all he did was run for three yards each carry for you know six carries in preseason. He hurdled like one guy. That's it. That's all we've seen from Najee Harris. There's nothing that makes me feel better about Najee Harris today then four months ago, and he's gained an early second-round pick worth of value, which is crazy to me. But, how, yeah. how much? I'm just saying because this is going to be actually funny. So this is a
1: player who didn't play a single preseason game. Okay. Um, Only practice.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. Elijah Moore's value.
0: Oh, <laughs> Elijah Moore, Lunas. <laughs>
2: you could have sold him for a first in some leagues yeah. at his height. You 100% could have. And yes, he didn't play right. a single preseason game.
1: So oh. This is all just stuff. But this is why That's now is
2: like now Camp pipe after the draft is such an underrated time to sell rookies and young players. Everyone's too busy victory lapping over things that they shouldn't be victory lapping. Myself included probably. Like, but I- I'm the dude who actually sells the play. Like, I will sell players that I like. Not players that I love, love, but I will sell players that I like for instant stonkage and then all of a sudden next year the same things happen and then it's like dude it's snowballs and i've got so many draft picks after a couple seasons Yep, stonks we are stonks Stonk all right let's move on all right unless you guys have anything else you want to cover on draft picks
0: <sighs> my, my whole thing though is i'm you know the the number one thing about draft picks, the best thing about draft picks are they're the most liquid, right? Like, yeah. you know, people might have different opinions on how strong the draft classes are and whatnot, but for the most part, it's everyone feels similarly about draft picks. Uh, you know, no one really minds having draft picks on their team because the draft pick could literally be anything. The draft pick could be whoever you want it be could be to be. So. I do like acquiring draft picks, but then I'm not afraid to then move said draft picks. Because, you know, I don't mind selling a player rather than, I don't know, I'll just pick two players out out of the hat. But, like, Marquez Callaway and Jacoby Myers, two players I have in their home league. It's just something easy, right? Say I had Marquez Callaway and I wanted to trade into Jacoby Myers. Well, turns out the guy who wants or has Jacoby Myers – doesn't like Marquez Callaway. These two guys, I looked at them I keep trade cut, uh, you know, as of recording this. They're, they're yeah, maybe two Daddy spots good. apart from each other. Yeah, right? This guy doesn't like Marquez Callaway. Well, I find another guy who wants Marquez Callaway for an early second-round pick,
2: mm-hmm.
0: mid-second-round pick, kind of – I Don't know. I've seen yeah. him go for a late first. I've seen him go for like a third. He's all over the place. But let's just say Marcos Callaway. I know if I shop him around, I'm gonna find someone who's going to give me like a mid-second for Marcos Callaway. Now it's much easier to convince the Jacoby Myers owner to to give him me for a mid-second round pick. We got clowned for saying that you yeah. should you should wait till I sell Jacoby Myers for a second round pick. Yeah, and that now, was like
2: for a late second, like yeah,
0: yeah. So so it's easier to to move into guys if you just have those picks. So picks, you know, yeah. I, I'm not advising to always do this because because you could if you start planning too many moves out, like you're depending on too many different, you know, dominoes to fall. But to just you know make it one extra transaction to get the transaction that you want done, I'm all for it. it it's it's so much easier than oh, okay, I'll give you Marquez Callaway in two-thirds, and then you give me blah, blah. Like It gets... It's easier that way. That's all I had to add. Um,
2: Okay, to recap. Yep. Draft picks are underrated, most of them. Basically, all of them, I think, are underrated, so kind of try to err on the side of draft picks. It's not always. You know, people you can give up draft picks and an overpay. Um, We said on our trade strategies, like, look to upgrade draft capital when it's cheap. You know, if you need... If you get an offer and you want to tr- make a trade a little more even to accept, dude, offer a little, a little pick swap a year or two down the line. Can't hurt, right? can only help. Um, And I also think that like late round picks are kind of underrated, but they, they, they require a little bit more thought than people realize at least to me. Um, Cause you I'll- can't draft consensus late round. It's, it's not a proven strategy that works.
0: Uh, I'll say, I think, Thirds might be a little underrated. I, I once you get into the fourth, there's not many players I like in the fourth round. Thirds foreground. are definitely underrated. Yeah, third thirds thirds it are so easy. Depends on the class
2: too, though, because like yeah, this true. year I did not like a lot of the later round picks, but the past couple of years there have been some guys that I really like. Chase Claypool,
1: um, um, Donna Mooney does a ton every year.
2: Yeah. yeah, remember um, when I picked up James Robinson in two leagues last year, and then traded him for a third before the season started, yeah. trying to stalk? Sometimes stalking bites you in the ass.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I'd rather be back. right for the for the one unicorn. You, you know, there's 20 other guys that aren't.
2: I still have a share of him in another league. Wow. Speaking of which, what a freaking roller coaster James Robinson is, man!
0: Oh <laughs> yeah.
2: One, one week he's worth eight firsts, the next week he's. Not worth a fab. And then... then... (laughs) Yeah, I
1: I saw him. I did a startup draft this offseason after the draft, and he just went so late. So late. And then now he's starting this year. We will see how he does. And then it's going to be even more of a mess next year once Etienne's back. Everyone's like, how the fuck do we value these guys?
2: This is kind of relevant, though. This exact conversation. For moving into our next topic. I'm taking your role here, JT. I
1: know.
2: Um, I like the segue. Is... The, oh, we lost Lunas. Lunas, we lost you, man. All right, I'm Well I'm Lunas, leave and join the callback, and I'll get you on here. But I okay. wanted to have a, t- a discussion on depth versus studs because I have had I have a league right now where we started off kind of rough. Um, actually, we got Lappy in the chat. He, he's the guy that I that I do it with. Um, <laughs> we started off kind of rough. Like our team was fine, but. We, we finished fourth to last, and then we made a move for Dalvin Cook, picked up a stud at running back, and then all of a sudden we we made and lost the championship in that league. um, And it was, dude, one stud, right? We traded away our, our draft, a couple draft picks. Marquise Brown, when he had some hype, pick up one stud. It turned us from average to championship level. We should have won the championship, but I digress. GT, I know you like studs. My trade calculator that uh, spoiler that we're making loves studs. Like, what wh- what is the line though between stud and then depth?
0: I, I'm always willing to push the limit for for studs for for the top players that I think are top tier players at their position. I'm always willing to overpay because I just think it's if I'm giving up the depth, I can always find depth. That's always been, from the start of this podcast, I've said I can always find depth. And this is going to be a little bit of a pat on the back moment kind of thing. But, you know, Frank just did it with Down Cook, so I'll do it. Um, and this is how I, like, you got to take risks, right? So I gave up Kirk Cousins, OBJ, Joe Mixon, and 2021 first in August of 2020 to get Patrick Mahomes. So it was Kirk Cousins, uh, at the time, was considered uh, borderline, you know, QB2, but early QB2, a, a top tier Yeah, high QB2. QB2. Yeah, OBJ, who was wide receiver two, early wide receiver two. Joe Mixon, who was a running back one, but like a mid to late running back one. And 2021 first, which was likely going to be mid, middle of the road. So a lot of big assets for Patrick Mahomes, right? Now, today you're probably going, I would easily do that. Well, I put that trade into Reddit and I was like, "Oh, what do you guys think?" I got smoked for doing that trade. And you're like, <laughs> "You gave up so much." Like like it was they they have the trade analyzer poll on on Reddit, like where you put in like your details and stuff. It was like you know, magnitudes of this, but it was like 6 to 1 saying that I lost the trade. It was like you know, 40-something to to 10, (laughs) that they wanted the side of of OBJ, Kirk Cousins, Joe Mixon in the 2021 first. Today, I would never do that trade back. Like, you would have to add so much on top of it because, you know, these are, while not bad players, these were middle-of-the-road, you know, solid roster guys like they but they just weren't the studs they're not the guys now obviously if i was a competing team which i wasn't at the time i would have to think twice about doing this kind of move but for me just getting the studs is is, is what you gotta do um lappy says he's just a humble viewer but doesn't agree with that at all i See, you can find the, depth you know, anyway
2: i agree because now finding the studs and, and then not because you can trade for a guy you think is a stud and then all of a sudden he sucks and then shaboom, the whole operation is blown up. So finding the studs is is difficult in and of itself. That's why we personally like to invest in stud quarterbacks in our Superflex leagues, even though they command the super high price and their value went up crazy this offseason. Um, they're just safer investments, right? If they pan out, they pan out for longer. Um, you can make the argument receivers too, even though they're not as much Different discussion, right? But if you are able to get your stud, right, the guy that you think is an absolute beast, right? I was in a league last year where a guy took DK Metcalf into the second round of a startup, and everyone is like, oh, that is a reach by, like, a round. But this year, even if DK Metcalf is at that pick value, getting his guy, getting the stud... Is what is the kind of moves that puts you in the playoffs, right? And that really maximizes the value of your team. Because like JT said, you can find depth and you can acquire depth, especially if you don't blow up your operation with giving up every draft pick you have. You could trade for depth like that if you have a full draft
0: class. Just 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 think about though this seat, like if you were scouring the waiver wire, like obviously this takes a little bit of good roster management, but you know, if you're listening to podcasts like this. I have to assume you're, you know, somewhat involved in, in the Dynasty In touch community. with everything. Yeah, yeah, you're somewhat listening, right? So, you you go, you pick up Marquez Callaway. You pick up, you know, uh, the likes of Gus Edwards off the waiver wire. You pick him up for cheap. Like, there are guys that you could flip. The Quez Tyrod Taylors of the world, Quez Watkins. Like, and you just go and you flip those guys for picks. You're immediately just starting to flip your value right back into – now, it's, it's not the paperclip into a house kind of moves, but, like, you, you are building your every, depth back by just getting it off waiver wires. Yeah, every yeah, other summit, every single
1: position uh, we saw, like, within even just, like, last season, like, Gaskin, uh, we saw Logan Thomas and Tanyan. Um, it, there's a there's a bunch every single season. Um, so I, I'm with JT in terms of it's, it's easier to build depth than you, like, than you probably think. Well, uh, I can't assume for every but then what a lot of people think, I should say.
2: Well, so the other part of the discussion that I kind of wanted to mention is that I see a lot of trades in, and you can you can make these trades and keep trade cut and whatnot, where you have just standard asset A is, let's say, worth 6000 And then you have two, let's say, even 3,200 assets, right? That That is their value. And you'll say, okay, that's a pretty even trade. Maybe side A wins by a little bit. I think side A wins by a lot more than is currently valued right now. But it's also tough because I have had so much success in, like, rounds four, rounds five, round six of my startup drafts at the same time. So, like... The other part of it is, where is the cutoff between who's a stud and who's not a stud? Because that's the other part of the equation, right? You can say, oh, we'll go trade for studs. Well, everyone immediately thinks, Devontae Adams. I'm getting him, baby. Nine firsts. Here we go. Freaking this, that. And all of a sudden, you trade your entire roster for Devontae Adams or for an A.J. Brown or, for me, one year, Todd Gurley, and all of a sudden, kaboom, right? I also think that the level – of stud is a little bit misconstrued because I consider Javante a stud and you could pick him up in the fourth round of a lot of leagues. Maybe not now because of how many running backs got hurt, but Ayuk, right? Or yeah, that's, whoever.
1: Yeah. I was going to say that's where it comes into a big part of fantasy is also just being able to watch and evaluate players. Uh, Cause I agree with you. It's tough to kind of tell the blurred lines of where's like the line in the sand for a stud. Because someone who's not going maybe the first three rounds of a rookie draft, but someone like like a DJ Moore, who I think is a stud and who I think is going to be a good receiver for a long-ass time, um, like that's someone who's going a little bit later and some people may not consider him that. So it, it comes down to kind of just you individually. Uh, one, just being in touch with how the Dynasty community is viewing everyone, but also just watching on your own and being able to like evaluate some of these players and how you think their success is going to be long-term.
2: Yeah, what, but that's tough to do though. To just like watch and be like, what? okay, well he's worth this.
1: I Me, mean, it's not gonna what, work out every time, but there there has to be some some level of uh, evaluation ability for players who are already in the NFL, kind of just judging them.
0: I I do have like a, a set criteria. I think I look at to determine stud right where Javante would fit my criteria. If I'll, I'll lay out for you guys, right? Any young elite quarterback stud. I'm willing to trade for them, you know, from from Patrick Mahomes all the way down to Joe Burrow. I mean, we haven't seen it with Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, those guys yet. But, you know, if you feel really good about one of them, maybe those guys I'm not yet willing to do it for. But other than the rookies, those young stud quarterbacks, I'll go out and get if I can, which in a lot of leagues it's hard, right? Then – Running backs, it gets a little interesting, right? If, if they're 24 and older, unless their name's Christian McCaffrey, I'm, I'm probably shying away from them, right? Like the Dalvin Cooks of the world right now, Frank, who, you know, two years ago was fine. Now I'm like, uh, D- Derek Henry is a stud by all, all accounts, but uh, uh, like, like I'm not willing to sell the farm for these guys. A Javante Williams, though, yes. Now, Najee Harris is someone I don't like. Not a great prospect. Also is 23, and a rookie, not gonna call him a stud. Uh wide receivers, though, the Devontae Adams of the world, again, probably not. I just think this is his highest value, and it's only down from here. Tyre Kill, same thing. But the likes of an Ayuk, a T Higgins, uh, even a Chase Claypool, uh, those are guys I'll call studs. I'll go out and get them. DK Metcalf. Um, AJ Brown's a little bit of an interesting one. I think he's kind of at his peak value. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I will go out and get, I'll go out and get those kind of guys. Um, those those are the studs. And then after that, I think it's just Kyle Pitts for tight end, right? Those are the clear bucket of studs where I will overpay so much to go and get those guys at the, to the point of where, where I don't really have a whole lot of assets right now in, in our home league to go trade and get those guys. But I'd give up multiple firsts. I'd give up, you know, solid prospects and stuff to get those guys because I think these guys are are the ones of the future. They're, they're prospects that have their – they've shown already good, you know, fancy production. They're young guys who I feel confident will be at the top of their game for three to four years where in three to four years, assuming the league is still around, I'll have more draft picks. You know, those are coming every year. You're getting a draft pick every year. And, you know, so if, if it goes wrong, yeah, it sucks. But those are guys that I trust in. Those are guys that I believe in. Those are guys that are going to go out and they're going to be the wide receiver ones, the quarterback ones of the future that are going to win me the championships. You don't win championships with a team of running back twos and wide receiver twos and quarterback twos. Those don't win you championships. Difference between running back one overall to, to running back eight overall is insane. Like, like you just got to go out and you got to get those top tier guys because if you don't have those competitive advantages, you're not winning championships and you're just a middle-of-the-pack guy and that's all you'll ever be. Maybe you make the playoffs some years, maybe you don't. But at the end of the day, you're just breaking even and you're just there to hang out, I guess. You, you don't get any rings to show for it.
2: Well, that's funny because, I mean, I, I've done a, a little bit of both where I have drafts where I try to go for more studs and I have drafts where I go out and and leagues or, I guess, where I uh go for depth. And I've had success doing both, which is kind of why I wanted to have the debate of where the line of stud is. Because I think in that league where I went for more depth, that is one of the things that helped me out. Is that the line of who a stud is or what a stud is is somewhat misconstrued, right? Because Adam Thielen isn't considered a stud. And even at his prime, he probably was never considered a stud according to any model because he doesn't have the draft capital. He doesn't have that insane elite wide receiver one physical talent. Um, but I mean, you look at his numbers and the guy has been a stud from a complete fantasy perspective, right? The guy's been a beast. He has like the record for most 100 yard games in a row. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I think that both are viable, but I will always err on the side of stud, at least in my rankings. Um, but I, I really kind of want to get for people listening. Like, I've been starting to do this more. There's a line in the sand, man. There's a, there's a line, and you got to make it clear. Between guys that you are willing to overpay for, like JT kind of had his list, right? You just go through. you got to have guys that you're willing to overpay for and guys that you're saying, I'm only going to buy at, at a good value, right? My personal whatever good value it is. I'm not going to overpay for them. And if you do that, even if you have bad moves, you kind of have a more clear plan of which guys you want, which guys you have as studs and, and who are not. Um, so let's kind of get into like how we, how would you determine that someone is a stud? I think the first one is you, it's almost like, okay, draft capital and early production, right? If you have a guy that's a first round pick and looks like a beast, it's like, okay, you kind of put two and two together. If Saquon Barkley's pick five or pick two or whatever and starts playing well, it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to... Figure oh, out sorry. that this guy's going to be good. Yeah, you like that? <laughs>
0: I like that.
2: <laughs> um, but do you guys have any other kind of... I mean, do you just look at the stats? of a guy is statistically good, you deem him a stud? Like, do you have any kind of telltale signs, telltale strategies for who is the stud and who's not?
1: Statistical success does play a big part in it. Obviously, as you mentioned, like someone who's having those successful seasons early on in those career. But I'm also looking at how they're playing. Like the... How some of these stats came, how some of like because if you if you look at like say someone caught an ADR touchdown and you go watch the video, uh, one was like uh, just a complete blown coverage and they're open by like twenty yards versus one was like oh he ran a filthy double move on the corner and just created separation. But like how how those stats accumulate will kind of matter to me, uh, as well as like the situation they're accumulated in because you also got to consider guys who like. Maybe he didn't put up as good of a season as someone else, but I still like him more because, his, say as a running back, his O-line was shit, and it wasn't really a good offense. But I expect it to be better the next year, like a receiver that had back quarterback play that year. Um, so that's that's what I meant earlier when I said, like, like the watching them aspect and being able to like evaluate both the situation and how they look on the field on your own. Cause I mean, that's the reason we watch like a lot of these games that aren't like our favorite teams besides just the general like love for football. Like there's some of these preseason games, like you don't want to just look at the box score for every single time at the very end. Like you want to see how they're doing it, who they're doing it against, how they are looking with like the teammates besides them, how they're making their plays. Um, so I think all of that factors in. I know it's kind of a general answer,
0: but like that is kind of the reality of how I view it. I, I think to make it so for quarterbacks, I think it's very simple, right? I have this clear, and it, it's going to be difficult for everyone, right? But I have this clear cut vision in my head where can I see this quarterback winning the Super Bowl, right? Because quarterbacks, those are. The, the lifeblood of the team that you know the championship is all that matters, right? If coaches in front office guys don't think this guy is going to win them a Super Bowl, he's not going to be on the team in three years. Because you know, he, uh, I listened to Mike Tanbaum, former Jets GM, on part of my take, and he was talking about they had Chad Pangton, they really liked Chad Pangton, he was a solid player, but they always thought can he beat Tom Brady? And they were like, no, (laughs) he can't beat Tom Brady. He's not winning us a Super Bowl. So can I see this guy winning a Super Bowl? So obviously the likes of Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Josh Allen. Yes. You even the likes of Dak, I can see, uh, you know, I could go down the list. Justin Herbert, sure. Kyler Murray, sure. Lamar Jackson, sure. But then you get into the likes of, of Tua or you talk about Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, the rookie quarterbacks, it's hard to judge because they're rookies, but like Baker Mayfield, can I see him winning a Super Bowl? I don't know. You know, like guys like this, that's where I draw my line. Ryan Tannehill, uh, I have question marks, so I'm not going to put him above my stud line. Right. So I think that's, it's, you know, kind of a caveman way of looking at it, but I think it's a very easy way for you yourselves of, do you think this guy's winning a Super Bowl? No, then he's not your stud then running backs, wide receivers, it is much more just production based, right? Like wide receivers, you wanna see a good target share, right? Cause there's been so many studies that sh- say it, talent leads to targets, right? If you're a good wide receiver, you're going to get the more targets on your team. You're going to lead your team in targets. Um, running backs, you know, Frank, you like the, the can you break tackles? I, I like, can you catch the ball? I, I like running backs that can catch the ball. Um, I think you're all kind of on the same page with me in that regard too, right? But it's just funny
2: yeah. that you said that because I I didn't like Montgomery or um or Penny, and everyone's always like, Oh, they're the tackle breakers. You like Montgomery? Tackle now, though. breakers. <laughs> I like him now at his price, yeah. But at yeah. his time I remember he was consensus one or two at one point. I'm like, dude, that is a yikes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, forced missed tackles. You like forced missed tackles.
2: I I well I kind of get in sorry to cut you off here, JT, but like I just I wanted to to hear your guys' thoughts because I'm a very much a, a film dude right like I will go through every prospect in existence and watch every game tape that I can will. watch on YouTube shout out killpro 88 by the way one of the YouTube channels um like I do I'll be looking for angles I'll be deep diving I'll be looking at Wikipedia histories all these high school sports stuff like but dude no one else is on crack or at least. Maybe there's only a handful of people that are going that crazy. So to me, it's like, okay, well, I have my film evaluation of these guys and I can go back on my notes and look at all of them so I can kind of see where I thought their ceiling was. And then kind of off of that gauge, okay, well, did I completely miss or completely misjudge how they'd be used? Like Antonio Gibson, right? Antonio Gibson, to me, I, I I misjudged how they'd use him. I didn't think he'd be swapped into a running back, gained a bunch of weight, and all of a sudden be an RB1. It's like, okay, well, I can just kind of change that, right? Fine.
0: But the, the ability to pivot that, though, and you raise your hand up and say, okay, I was wrong. I missed on that. I like Antonio Gibson. Let me go out and try and get Antonio Gibson. That That's huge. You know, not getting stuck in your, you know, past priors. because
2: I think it's a balance. Well, for, yeah. for me, how I look at it is, has this player changed – from what he was and what he, what I thought he could be. Right. Cause like that's pro football focuses thing is um, they look at players and assume that they're basically going to be the same player they were in college, which I mean works like a decent amount of the time. I mean, players are who they are, but they do change. Right. So you're not going to hit on a whole lot of Antonio Gibson's. If you say, oh, well, they'll never be able to... I, I, you just kind of have to look at it on a case-by-case basis for me, right? That's why I didn't like Denzel Mims. I thought, watching like way too many Jets games back on the All-22 for the Sam Darnold analysis, I'm looking at Denzel Mims, and I, I'm saying to myself, okay, this they drafted him to replace Brashad Perryman. They wanted Brashad Perryman to come in there and stretch the field vertically. That's what Mims did at Baylor. And this dude is... Unable to stretch the field vertically, I thought. I, I did not like it at all. You, some may look at it and be like, oh, well, he just is in a different role. That's why his dot and all that bullshit is down. I don't even know if it was, right? But I, I'm looking at 12 games of all 22. I could just be like, yeah, I don't like that. Demerit. I didn't like him to begin with. Never liking him now. But, like, if, you, if you're not going to do that, how do you determine this kind of stuff?
0: Well, it is interesting what you're saying there where this is like his third mention on the, on the pod, but Bean Counter did talk about face planners, which I don't exactly love the you know methodology and process behind it, but the idea is that if a player from, I think he does May to May, a, a rookie loses 12 spots ADP from May of the year they are drafted to May the, after the rookie year, they're considered what's called a face planter. And he said to sell those face planters because they are likely never going to produce. Or if they do produce, it won't be year for years down the road. And, you know, you're not going to get your values worth, right? I agree to that to an extent. Denzel Mims would be one of those guys. He's considered a face planter right now. He's someone that I would sell – I would have sold – I put out tweets about Denzel Mims months ago saying people are giving excuses for him in the Adam Gase hey, bro, offense. Bro, we
2: hated Denzel <laughs> Yeah, we were not paying <laughs> on Denzel Mims. Um,
0: you know, sell now. And, and there, were, you could have sold for a second uh, pretty easily, an early second. Um, now you can't. Now he's not even on the first team. He's losing snaps to all these other players. Um, now, now you're lucky if you get a third-round pick for Denzel Mims. There are players, though, that I'm willing to be more lenient on, which goes against the face planter idea and kind of
2: it's is incong- against it's the a process. A fine line, dude. Yeah,
0: because here's the thing, right? The process works for a reason, right? Because if you fade all of those guys, you're going to be right more times than you're going to be wrong. It's just – it's, it's the if science. You, if you
1: only use that strategy once or twice and if you miss – yeah, I mean, but... that's
0: how
2: I operated our league to a certain extent. And I missed out on two guys that could have got me championships. I sold Derrick Henry before I should have, which really Ooh. hurts because the dude almost broke the rushing record. And I sold James Robinson before he played a snap because I picked him up in the draft. I mean, I, I I thought he was a nice little dart throw. But all of a sudden, right before week one, I'm seeing a juicer of a third-round pick for, for James Robinson. I'm like, okay, instant stocks. I still have a share of him, all that bull crap. By the way, the whole like, oh, I, I need to get a share or I have, I, I think that is, that has burnt me so many times. I'm never doing that again. Where it's like, oh, I'm going to fade, I'm going to take a guy that I don't like as much because I need to have a share of him in a league. Fuck that. Fuck that noise. I, I got burnt on that too many times. I'm not doing that again. But like JT and Lunas are right in that you can go ahead and keep selling face planters. Uh, for any sort of value, right? You keep selling them for late seconds or mid-seconds and third-round picks. But when you have one of those Derrick Henrys and James Robinsons, I had two of them. Dude, that stings. And that is a yeah. championship-level sting, possibly.
0: Yeah, but it's just the, the math says you're going to be wrong more times than you're going to be right if, if you hold on to these phase planters. And, uh, you know, you can turn those seconds that you get for them it's like a re-roll you get a like you know you get another shot it, it's a free ticket obviously it's a year later and and you gotta wait for it but it's that free ticket of okay i missed on this guy but i have another second let me try and hit on this guy and mm-hmm. hitting on guys in the rookie draft are, are are way more valuable than you know even if your face player hits because like justin jefferson was a second round pick T. higgins was a second round pick look at where they're worth now you know that's i don't know yeah if you Talking second-round picks, it's probably like six second-round picks. Yeah,
2: late first, early <laughs> yeah. second, which you
0: can trade yeah.
1: for no matter and, what. And another thing with the face idea, because I do think a lot of times it works. Do not – my main thing is he – listen to the emphasis on May to May. Do not sell a, dis, a rookie who's been disappointing through, what, 10, 11 weeks. Um, yes, yes. That yeah. that I've seen so many people get fucked by that. I see. That's how you end up with
0: Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers off your team. Yeah,
2: yeah you Got to be team. more patient than a lot of the community is.
1: You got to at least at the minimum give them their entire rookie season. Like I don't care if they do nothing weeks one through eight, and you're expecting them to be like really good right away. You have to give them the entire rookie season because there's so many studs that like they just don't play all the time. I remember the same thing happened in our league with um uh, when I traded for Miles Sanders a couple years ago when he was the backup for the majority of the year, then he started the last four weeks by the end of the season, his value was like twice or three times the amount of when I traded when he was like, still kind of like the backup. Um, So that's if, if you're going to tell you the strategy that like good, because most of the time it does work, even though Frank (laughs) bought the point of the time, so it doesn't and it sucks, but you can't do that week like 10 or 11.
2: All right. So to recap a little bit, um, I think you just you really got to draw a line on where studs are. Make those tier breaks if you got a startup draft, or if you're looking to to try and trade for someone out of position, right? You gotta you have to know how you value the players and who you're looking to get and who you are. You know what basket are you willing to put the eggs in to make that move and get that player, and vice versa, right? You gotta have to have a have a price and a realization to where you can give up on a guy for, for a specific price, even if you like him kind of tying back to the, uh, to the selling rookie segment, right? You know, I I've made a lot of good deals by saying, I like this rookie that I just picked, but I'm getting a price that is just too good. It's too safe for me to pass up on its instant value. Bang. Um, And I also think that, Whether you kind of go for studs and then fill in the depth after, or you try to go for that high-quality depth where you get multiple studs for a single stud, like, I think both of those strategies can work. So I wouldn't necessarily pigeonhole myself into one. It's just a case-by-case basis. Do you think the draft is a little deeper? Do you think the rookie class is a little deeper? Go ahead and trade down. It's just every single time I'm going to err on the side of stud unless I really like the depth there, right? Unless I really like the depth of the class.
0: All right. Um, I think that sums up our episode then, right?
1: Yep. Next week, right. the uh, the season primer episode. Yep. Season next... th- Go
0: ahead, JT. Season two, episode four, in the books. Season two, episode five will be our, our primer. We'll break down everything. We, we still do need a... Two or three more listeners to you know uh, send out, reach out to us, join our Dynasty League football team. You got to lose to to myself and you got to beat Frank and Lunas and Jake to steal Frank's line, except switch it to me. Um, you know, uh, comment on us our videos if if you disagree with us. I I know there's a lot of other you know different strategies. I, I like to hear different perspectives. Um, like revate. Rate, review, subscribe. Yes, Frank. Also,
2: um, website just got redesigned. We should have rankings and articles coming up now. So, if you're interested in more article kind of content, and I'm taking on Fabiano rankings, we're gonna be we're gonna try and update the rankings like constant time. So, um, just keep a lookout for stuff. We're gonna be releasing some more stuff on the website outside of that as well. So, just kind of stay tuned on that front.
0: All right. Um. I think that's it. Episode, season two, episode four in the books. Thank you, everyone.